Are you okay <laughs> over there? I want to be. I think that's the millennial dream. Zero is the goal. Kelly actually taught me a really fun term that I'm really excited about, and I haven't used it in a sentence yet, but the opportunity will arise. Boomer bait. Yes. Boomer bait. It's like that video we never posted to our Facebook <laughs> about how millennials quit their job every two years. Oh my god, we're such pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the gist of it. Every article that's like, hey, want to talk shit about millennials? <laughs> Boomer bait. <laughs> I love it. So we actually spent some time um, crafting today, too. Oh my god, and it was a disaster. Yeah, well, I mean, we, the decals went really well. Yeah, but we tried to use my die-cutting machine to cut fabric and... Us being who we are, we did no research beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why is this not working? And, of course, uh, we were using the wrong thing. Yeah, we were user error. Yes, we did not use the interfacing material. Yeah, and if you have to fuck with interfacing material, it is officially no longer a convenient product. Exactly, that just makes it more of a nuisance. Yeah, fuck that. Plus, it's more money. Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. So, in short, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> not you the cutter but also you the listener oh i'm no. just kidding we love we love you wait i think we said that once southern hills go fuck yourself oh yeah <laughs> it is one of our mottos <laughs> i mean the more research you do on anything the more you're just like you know what society's fucking broken i feel bad about nothing now yeah. same i actually thought about that driving I think I, actually on our way back from uh, meeting a couple of our friends, I was just like, you know what? I am feeling less and less anxious and less bad about everything the more we read about the world. Because seriously, no one is fucking doing anything right. Yeah, everything is fucked up and everybody sucks. Yeah, so <laughs> if you're anything like us and you think you suck, you're everyone. It's cool. Maybe nihilism is the anxiety cure for our Dude. generation. I think you're right. Welcome back to Southern Hells. I'm Kelly. And I'm Rachel. And I am really excited about this topic. We've been alluding to doing this for like the past year, but here we are. And today we're talking about BDSM. <laughs> I've been saving that for so long. That's the closest I will ever come to having a soundboard. That's I can still make the soundboard happen. We still have the MIDI controller. Well, April Fool's Day. That's your... <laughs> that's what we said this year, and then I forgot. I'm just going to keep pushing it out, like, every April. <laughs> this is your day, Kelly. So, yeah, we're talking about BDSM today, which stands for Bondage, Discipline, Dominant Submissive, and Sadism, Masochism. I did not know that. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about BDSM, even among the BDSM community. So we're going to talk about some of those and talk about how it might actually be good for you. So buckle up and get spanked. <laughs> <laughs> like when you talk to people who aren't really in the scene and they don't really get, they tend to have these misconceptions that people who are into BDSM are super fucked up. And if you like getting smacked around, then... You must have some deep-seated childhood traumas. Daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, basically, if you're into kinky shit, there's something wrong with you because normal people don't like that. So that's been studied. It turns out extensively, I learned today. And I'm going to talk about a couple of those studies. So the first one, I'll just touch on briefly. It is called Psychological Functioning of Bondage, Domination, Sadomasochism Practitioners interesting this was conducted by pamela Connolly and published in the journal of psychology and human sexuality hmm. so yeah she looked at the published norms of 10 psychological disorders and compared those norms to answers given by bdsm practitioners and what she found was that compared to the normative samples bdsm practitioners tended to have lower levels of depression anxiety, PTSD, oddly enough, lower levels of psychological sadism and psychological masochism, 
Well, that's completely ironic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's uh, in the name. Borderline pathology and paranoia. So, yeah, all of those things they scored lower on. They did have equal levels of OCD. I would say, fittingly enough, higher levels of dissociation and narcissism, which dissociation is pretty helpful if you're trying to get into subspace. Yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, lower than normal levels of depression, anxiety, PTSD, paranormal. Why can't I say that word? I want to say paranormal. I know. <laughs> They're less spooky. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's totally not true. <laughs> that's really intriguing because that overall sounds like they are mentally healthier. Exactly. So that's completely opposite the bias people have against them. I guess the thing about BDSM is that you have to have some degree of self-awareness and you have to have some degree of, if not sympathy, then at least empathy and communication. So yeah. And then I read another study, uh, Psychological Characteristics of BDSM Practitioners. This was published in the journal of sexual medicine, and it was written by Andreas Wismeyer, and you're gonna like this guy's name, Marcel Van Assen. Yes! Please talk to me about BDSM, Mr. Assen. <laughs> so they did the exact same thing. They used a control group on various fundamental psychological characteristics, and they compared that to scores of BDSM practitioners. So a very similar study. With a huge sample size, they surveyed 902 BDSM participants and 434 control participants. And yeah, BDSM practitioners were less neurotic, uh, not surprisingly, more open to new experiences, more conscientious, less rejection sensitive, and they reported a higher subjective well-being. It does say that they scored as less agreeable. <laughs> so I guess they're moody. <laughs> Less agreeable. I don't know. I maybe maybe it means like I could see people who are just like I have the normal sex. Like that that's gonna be you're you're just going with the mainstream. So if you're less agreeable, maybe they're just like, no, I do what I want. And whenever you're like, well, this is what the group is doing. What are you doing? And they're like, no, fuck you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I I guess I just wanted to bring this up because I think it's really worth emphasizing that they are less rejection sensitive. That would be incredibly helpful considering that that Molly Tibbetts yes. was just killed because she turned someone down. Yeah. Because the motherfucker who killed her took offense to being rejected. Yes. Yeah, rejection sensitivity, it's a real thing. And I would say that most, I can only speak for women, but probably most people have dealt with someone taking rejection poorly. Yeah. And yeah, you can't do that in BDSM. BDSM is centered around the concept of consent. Consent is the God that we worship. It's kind of in the vein of the yes means yes community. It's you taking charge of your sexuality. And in some of my notes, what I wanted to go into is that fact that culturally we're set up for a very adversarial sexuality, which is men demand and women relent. And that's not true to um, anything, basically. Yeah. And you're basically saying that consent is a debatable topic because if it's something that you get what you want eventually or not then it's a debate it's not a yes or no and that's not how it works in bdsm as i understand it you mentioned yes means yes so i want to talk about that for a second so yes means yes that is what is known as affirmative consent that means that for every act or for every action you take before you take it, you ask for consent and that consent must be explicitly communicated. So yeah, can I do this? Yes, that is consent. Affirmative consent. The alternative being what a lot of people seem to think that consent means is that it's cool until they say no. Yeah. Which is not okay. I mean, especially if you're involving uh, implements of pain, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to ask first. I guess it's a good time to get that out of the way. Affirmative consent, yes means yes. Something that I like about it is that you can withdraw your consent. And it, not in the vein of, you know, pushing boundaries until there are no more boundaries. But you might be into something for a minute and then suddenly it doesn't feel comfortable. And you can say, no, I don't like this anymore. Right. And then after that, it's not, you know, field day. Okay, time for true life. True life, my name is Rachel and I watch porn. <laughs> <gasps> 
oh my god, I'm only everyone. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes I like to read the comments because I think it's hilarious that people comment on porn. God, I don't read those. <laughs> I sometimes I read them because people get into debates, and I it fascinates me. It's just delving into weird parts of human nature. And I found a new subset of porn that I had never heard of before, and I had to like it turned off happy fun time, and it turned on research time. <laughs> yeah, that that's a thing that happened. So anyway. You can't see me, but my face is red because I'm imagining people listening to me talking about porn. Although Kelly and I did joke about maybe reviewing porn videos just yeah, for fun. That would be fun. It would be. It'd we be should put of... that on the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Watch Kelly and Rachel review porn videos. Plenty of people consume porn. It's a perfectly normal human thing. But anyway, forced cream pies. Not what you would think. The community that I found are dudes who are into watching girls make them make their babies. Mind fucking blown. Oh, so the girl is forcing the guy to yeah cream her pie. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like dudes taking off, or girls taking off condoms and dudes being like, no. And then... <laughs> wow. Again, this was not sexy fun time. This was research time. Someone in this community, because like, you know, there's subsets and you fall... They, were, they put up a post and they were like, hey, why are you into this? And a bunch of people commented. And some of the dudes were, well, I shouldn't say dudes. Some of the masturbators <laughs> <laughs> responded with, I enjoy this because it's an example of female domination and female power. But with, <laughs> they were really intellectual about it. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> they were like, it's female power and she is taking my biological material to make my children. Like she is forcing me to give her my children. And that fascinates me. And that's my kink. And I was like, what the fuck? This is not what you would imagine to exist. Like, oh my God, crazy bitches. Well, baby, what is it? Baby crazy bitches. Yeah. And this is dudes being like, yeah, she made me make her babies, and that's what I'm into. Wow. Fascinating. I know. So the next time you're bored, I guess. <laughs> Forced cream pie. My brain goes straight to Bozo the Clown. When I, <laughs> <laughs> I think we, Okay, that's going on the Instagram. We're just going to post a picture of Bozo like, what does this have to do with this week's episode? Find out. The answer is forced cream pie. We're like... Of the G-rated variety. This week we're covering BDSM. Here's Bozo (laughs) the Clown. Somehow related. (laughs) Yeah, so Rachel watching porn aside, what's up? What were we talking about? I don't know. (laughs) Oh yeah, rejection sensitivity. And that that really ties into some of the things you just mentioned. You also said something really important that consent can be withdrawn at any time. Yeah, you can be like wrist deep in whatever crazy scene you're doing and then your bottom can decide, actually, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, end scene or whatever your safe word may be. And that's it. And It's if, not a debate. It's that's not important. a debate. Yes. Each individual has autonomy. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that people who practice BDSM tend to be less sensitive to rejection because it's just kind of, I mean, it's part of being a human anyway, but I guess it's just more built into uh, their sexual activity. Yeah. Because you do, you kind of have to negotiate. What are your limits? What do you want to do? Are you okay with this? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah, I may be really into forced cream pies, and my partner is not into that at all, and that's okay. I like that it, it involves active communication on the front end of things. Yes. And again, it takes out that adversarial role because you are two people agreeing to this, and if it branches into experimentation as you're going, it's okay for you to say, I don't like this. Yeah. Or there are things that you may think, in theory, like, I could be into this, and then you can say, no, I don't like this. Right. And yeah, it's it's not just saying, like, yes, okay, I consent, let's go. Consent kind of exists on a continuum. You have to communicate it at every step of the process. So it's it's not, it is not really a yes or no question. It is a, it's a stream, I suppose. In the vein of 
BDSMers being way less rejection sensitive, I found another type of porn. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. I seriously, maybe that's what I should have been. Just, what what are they called? Sex therapists? Because I literally just get fascinated. Like, you find these groups of people and they openly talk about it. Like, especially if you're on Reddit. There are subreddits where there's, like, there's porn and then there's people talking about the porn and that amazes me. You never have these conversations with people, but in that environment, there's just whole threads. Wow. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> You're just <laughs> hanging out like, well, I was going to spank it, but now I'm going to talk at length about my fetish. <laughs> Sometimes people will comment and then they'll link to other things. And that's how you find you go down these rabbit holes. That's what happens. So I found out about another thing called free use. Free use. Yes. And it's basically if there were a rejectionless world. Like, if consent wasn't understood at any moment, and it's really funny. So basically, it's like videos where dudes are, they see a girl across the bar, and they go fuck her. And that's the video. But it's not just for men. There are women who are like, they see a dude across the bar, and then they fuck him. I could see that being a very popular fantasy. Yeah, but they have someone wrote an entire... There are fan fictions of imagining if this were a place that existed, what would it look like? Mm -hmm. And they create elaborate universes based around this. And it's so amusing. Like, not even on a spank level, literally just on a go think about it level. You go read their (laughs) fan fiction and you're just like, whoa, yeah, I guess that does make sense. (laughs) But then some people make it, obviously, anything on Reddit devolves into incest oh yeah i don't want to kink shame but ew yeah same boat everybody's got limits (laughs) (laughs) sibling fucking and cousin fucking is mine incest is a hard limit for me oh wait i get yeah i guess incest doesn't stop at your siblings and cousins (laughs) yeah if we are related i don't want to fuck yeah anyway it just fascinates me that they talk at great length about it and in these worlds, they're like, well, well, how would this work? And then people debate how it would work. I was going to save this for later, but we're on the subject of porn. So I'm going to go on a brief rant, if you will, because in these modern times, <laughs> you cannot talk about BDSM without talking about fucking Fifty Shades of Grey. And if you're listening, you probably are anticipating me ranting about how Fifty Shades of Grey portrays unhealthy, unrealistic depictions of BDSM. I'm not doing that. Here's the thing. Every time I read some op-ed piece about how Fifty Shades of Grey is not an accurate portrayal of BDSM, I roll my eyes so hard because it's fucking porn. It's (laughs) porn. It's not a BDSM for dummies guidebook. And I almost feel like all of the hate it gets is sexist because it's porn made by a woman targeted primarily toward women Mm. and i could get on porn hub right now and pull up 100 videos that are like slutty slave gets gagged and punished and you don't see her give consent you see her get gagged and punished that's also not a healthy portrayal of bdsm but it's fucking porn (laughs) i i'm so it really gets under my skin. I just feel like if you're if you're not going to lecture me about all of the other insane BDSM porn on the internet, then don't shame someone for reading a smutty book. I will shame them for reading a shittily written smutty <laughs> book. I will not, however, shame them for everything else because A, I never thought about any of that and it's a really, really good point. And B, I never thought about any of that and it's a really, really good <laughs> point. Yeah, I... I mean, yeah, it's, I've never read the books. They're probably horrible. They did originate as Twilight fan fiction, which, goddamn. That book had a bunch of white pages and bitches loved it. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah, that's its own rant. My life was nothing. Nothing. When Edward left, I did nothing. I became nothing. (laughs) Bitch, get a hobby. Yeah, that book is not porn. So we can talk shit about it. Yeah. We ain't kink shaming. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I just want to go on the record and say Fifty Shades of Grey is porn. And if you're going to shame Fifty Shades of Grey, then you have to shame all the porn. And I don't agree with that. And if it's porn that more women find palatable, it's obviously 
made more people explore BDSM, then I think it's a net positive. That is absolutely a fascinating opinion, and I really enjoyed hearing it. <laughs> that sounded like sarcasm, but it really wasn't. <laughs> like, I'm genuinely over here like, I did not expect this. I'm enjoying this. No, I know I'm in the minority, because when you bring up that title, you just see people kind of go like, ugh, Fifty Shades, gag, which, yeah, that's fine. But I just don't understand why I have read, like, these impassioned pieces that literally say shit like mothers warn your daughters that 50 shades of gray is not what real love or real bdsm looks like no shit <laughs> yeah i think what you need to teach your teenage sons is uh most girls straight out of the gate aren't into fisting for fuck's sake like <laughs> you, you build to that <laughs> <laughs> or you don't whatever <laughs> it's just like just like Kelly said, porn is unrealistic. It is not a realistic depiction of human sexuality. It is something to get you off. Yes, it is material to get your rocks off. And that's the thing that I have seen it debated so many times. They're like, kids are going to watch porn. Kids, okay, kids being relative. Um, I have some friends who have a 13-year-old daughter, and <laughs> they caught her looking up Justin Bieber naked on her. I, I know it's kind of, I mean, whatever. Anyway, they were, they had to talk to her about it. Hey, were you looking up inappropriate videos? She was like, yes, I was. Um, are you supposed to be doing that? No, I wasn't. Okay. Well, good talk basically. <laughs> and, and then they were, they were talking about debating it amongst themselves. Like, when did you look up inappropriate videos? And it's a male and female with this child and they they both agreed like about 13 and i mean it makes sense that's puberty so yeah. in this day and age i think that in this day and age there is no parental control on the planet safe enough to keep your kid from watching porn i would imagine yeah it's gonna happen and if you do somehow block it from being accessed online they'll just pull out a catalog yeah or they'll go to their friend's house and their friend you know has it was a thing back in the day. If your friend found a porn mag, everybody saw the porn mag. <laughs> That's just how it worked. So they're going to see it. The better conversation is to decide when is it appropriate to talk about how unrealistic porn is. Oh, yeah, that is important. Yeah. So anyway, that's my take on porn. Tell your kids that no one's coming out of the gate doing fisting. Yeah. And in general, they try to do a study where they were like, well, we'll compare young men who have never seen porn to men who have seen porn and they couldn't find any participants for the study. Yeah. I everybody looks at porn. Yeah. So I don't know, that's my that's my two cents. Okay, you said something that I think is interesting that does tie into another point that I have that we need to talk to people about how porn is not necessarily realistic and in real life you have to do things like ask permission and Yeah. Um, there's usually more cleanup in real life, but <laughs> I, I think the best, actually, I read this study a couple years ago, and it's what I was thinking of when I had the idea for this episode, and it's called Participating in a Culture of Consent May Be Associated with Lower Rape Supportive Beliefs. This was published in the Journal of Sex Research, and it was written by Catherine Clement and two other people, but... So as we have heavily emphasized, BDSM does come with a culture of consent. Um, you ask for consent every step of the way, and if it's not given to you, you don't do it. Yeah, specifically affirmative consent, which we have already defined. They wanted to know if people who are familiar with a culture of affirmative consent port lower rape-supportive attitudes compared to individuals who really don't practice a culture of affirmative consent. They just practice sadly normal culture of do it till they say no uh, so adversarial Ooh, yeah so they surveyed bdsm practitioners people from amazon's mturk and college students and they measured a number of criteria, uh including hostile sexism benevolent benevolent sexism rape myth acceptance victim blaming expectation of sexual aggression, and acceptance of sexual aggression. And unsurprisingly to me, BDSM practitioners reported 
significantly lower levels of benevolent sexism, rape, myth acceptance, and victim blaming than did college undergrads and adult MTurk workers. Hmm. Some of the questions they asked to measure this stuff. So here's an example. When girls go to parties wearing slutty clothes, they're asking for trouble. 84% of BDSM practitioners surveyed said no, compared to 45% of MTurk responders. Oh. So that means 55% were just like, yeah, she's asking for trouble. Oh. That's a really dangerous attitude. Yeah, because it goes into victim blaming. You saying, Kelly and I talk about this a lot in the gun debate. Holy fucking shit. Yes. Well, you shouldn't have been at Waffle House. Well, you shouldn't have been at school as a kid. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have. It's like, no, maybe someone shouldn't have shot me. Exactly. Uh, so Catherine Clement, the author of that study, she's also done a few interviews and is really propagating this idea that we should be teaching BDSM in sex education. People who are becoming sexual beings, if they understand consent and understand the difference between life and porn, then that could be a really good thing. And really the only fucking hurdle is stigma we can barely get out of abstinence only sex education so i don't foresee us teaching about bdsm anytime soon but i do think it would be really good for young people this actually ties in perfectly with something i spent way too much time digging in a rabbit hole about similar to my porn intellectualism (laughs) (laughs) you're a real pi i know (laughs) i'm telling you go fucking google this shit (laughs) Like you maybe say that every episode. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I can only tell you so much in this amount of time, but it is goddamn fascinating. Okay, so the, this article I read was actually really interesting. Um, I wanted to see if there was a correlation between abstinence-only education and gaps in understanding consent. And since BDSM is all about exploration and consent, the parallel between no is the only option, yes means yes, is pretty fun. This this article is titled, When Should Kids Start Learning About Sex and Consent? It's by Stephanie Autieri. It was written April 28th of 2016, and I didn't actually copy where I read this, so... <laughs> well, we're giving our listeners enough information to go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you can find it. I think we should teach sexuality the way we teach every other topic in school, says Schroeder. Start basic. Build that scaffolding in a way that is age and developmentally appropriate. Both Schroeder and Goldfarb. I'm not making fun of that person's last name. (laughs) Goldfarb gives an example of the way schools approach math education. My son is learning algebra now in the eighth grade, says Schroeder. But it's not the first time he's getting math. It's antithetical that we wouldn't do the same with sexuality. This is the end of that article. I really feel like it should have been the beginning because of this next sentence. I'm not even a prude and I furrowed my brow into a what the fuck shape reading this. Uh-oh. But then you read the after the rest of the article and you're like, oh. And then you get to the end and you're like, well, why didn't you fucking say that? This attitude reflects a growing movement among sexuality organizations and, edu- and educators to advocate for comprehensive sex education programs that begin as early as kindergarten. Hmm. To provide students with age-appropriate and medically accurate information that acts as a foundation for later lessons in consent. Okay, when I read kindergartens and sex ed, I was like, time out, what the fuck? Yeah. Having children in my life, I can tell you that they are really into um, dog McStuffins and putting teddy bears back together. Chicken nuggets. Yeah, and not, and just feeling free with their bodies. Like, if they're in their home, they're just like, I can hang out in my underwear here. This is totally cool. And they don't feel any shame about it. So it's like, it's, it seems weird to me to add any sort of element of be aware of your body. Yeah, that does seem young. But having read that first part, it tells you, okay, yeah, and I'm gonna cut that. The next thing it made me think of was I've heard my friends debate, my friends with young kids, there's an age where kids just trust people and like they give hugs and you don't really want to take too much of that trust away because it really is kind of a limit on their childhood to say, well, some people are predators, little buddy. And but they they need to know that. It's true, they do. I agree. And But that so many people do it at so many different ages and there's so many different debates about what age is appropriate. The idea that you would start at kindergarten kind of makes sense, especially when you think about, again, predators and molesters. If kids understand some level of bad touch earlier than later, they can communicate that to you. This actually broke down the different ages. 
So my musings aside, the article goes on to say, both Schroeder and Goldfarb, Goldfarb go on to say that kindergartners would learn about their bodies and boundaries and about the different types of families that exist. That would be really helpful because it might hinder bullying from kids who maybe see kids who have two moms. Yeah. It is my personal experience that kids don't actually give a shit. Adults do. Right. I... A kid would have no reason to think that two moms or two dads is unusual unless they heard their parents say some ignorant bullshit. Exactly. The same that if you only had, I mean, I could see a kid asking, well, where's your dad? And then it's like, well, he's not in the, I don't know. Okay. They're learning about the world. They don't have preconceived notions to be upset about. Right. Anyway, until you make them. Emphasis. While first graders would move on to lessons about friendship and gender roles, fifth graders would be ready to learn about puberty, sexual and reproductive anatomy, and sexual orientation. By following this timeline, high school seniors would have a firm infrastructure in place in order to be ready for more complex lessons on reproductive and sexual rights. STD testing, and the human sexual response cycle. This entire body of knowledge would provide the necessary support for a greater understanding of issues such as consent. And that really makes sense to me because I actually had, due to my high school having such a high teen pregnancy rate, we were taught, hey, go to the health department. They will give you birth control. You don't have to tell your parents. Um, and my single father was incredibly appreciative of that because what he told me was, Rachel, most teenage girls have sex. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to talk to you about it, but go to the <laughs> go to the health department and they have condoms and birth control. Please use both. That was the extent. And then everything else I learned culturally. And since I had the internet, I could read about, you know, the news and you stayed up to date with, you would hear about someone being raped and you would read that news story and be like, man, that's horrible. And then in the news story, they would talk about things like, well, why are young men doing this? And so, I don't know, learning about the world through reading was... Yeah, I think I've mentioned before... My school library had a book called We All Fall Down, and there's a very graphic rape scene in the first chapter or two of a teenage girl being gang raped by home invaders. Ooh. Anyway, it, it's obviously pretty provocative novel, so it made the rounds. As soon as someone discovered, hey, this book's really fucked up, everybody wanted to read it. And I remember reading it, and reading that book was what really cemented to me as a child that oh rape is a horrible thing and it's a it's a real thing it yeah. made it real for me and then of course a parent got it banned from our library <sighs> ridiculous yeah super stupid yeah let's please you're trying to build children that can exist in the world that exists right in the real world yeah i mean don't be mad at us if you made a bunch of basement dwellers <laughs> just saying <laughs> i really I really liked this idea. I mean, it, it at least starts a really good conversation, which is right now we have people who are on all different levels of development when it comes to sexuality. Yeah. And they all start fucking at about the same time, statistically. Oh, God, that's true. So how do you mesh those people? One thing that I read, I didn't actually look it up for this because I figured I could just bullshit about it. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I read an article some number of years ago about how freshmen who were entering college who came from, you know, all these different schools with all these different curriculums or lack of curriculum on, on sexuality, some of them don't understand consent. They understand no means no. So they don't necessarily recognize that you should be in tune with your partner and it should not be a debate. It should not be they hear, well, boys only want one thing. Boys are only out for one thing and they don't think that well, girls may want something too, or they may not want something. They expect, well, all girls don't want it. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm the person who has to pursue it. And that is equally unhealthy for girls because girls may come into the conversation thinking, well, of course he wants it. Why would he not want it? That's what boys want. And he may not. So I don't know how I feel about, I mean, I, I could see teaching age appropriate. Yeah, I'm totally into that. I mean, I wouldn't want to teach a kindergartner about how sex works, but they should know this is an acceptable, well, actually, I don't want to say acceptable way of being touched because what's accept acceptable to them is up to them. But like you said, good touch versus bad touch. They do need to know that. Yeah, and they do need to know that they have a support system of people who, if someone goes beyond their boundaries, which, I mean, they're kids, they have no boundaries until you teach them boundaries. Yeah. Like, if someone goes beyond this exact point with you that is not appropriate this is not okay yeah and i i'm seeing this more now and it is kind of giving the foundations of consent just 
like the consent of being touched. So yeah, with a young child, instead of saying, go hug Kelly, it will be like, do you want to give Kelly a hug? And if they say no, okie dokie. Yeah, it's your body. Yeah, they should have that power. Yeah, and teaching kids that they don't have to do things that intimidate them in that way. Yes. That's huge. You're right, that is a good step. I did see a ridiculous video, and it was very laughable, and this person was very serious, but it's kind of like anything where you have the the horseshoe of the political spectrum. Like, this person would have been the end of the left horseshoe. This person said, I think you should ask babies for consent before changing their diapers. Okay. Like, how the... And then there's, like, this dad... So is Goo Goo Gaga yes or no? I know. And they were like, well, you should understand cues from your baby. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the screaming or impending screaming is a great cue that they want me to change their diaper. But what if they, like, what if hypothetically the baby said, no, you may not change my disgusting diaper. Are you just not going to? That's... Yeah, I didn't even think about that. If you're to a point where your kid can say that and they're still in diapers, something is fucking wrong with you to begin (laughs) with. (laughs) I mean, okay, to be fair, if if your child is developmentally challenged, that's its own thing. If you have a neurotypical average kid and they can say that, (laughs) you done fucked up. (laughs) So while I was doing all of my research... Um, I focused heavily on consent and, yeah, the psychology of BDSM, and I also read a little about BDSM as potential sex education for young people, or at least for college students, and I stumbled across the most fucking horrifying article. Um, This is the kind of dangerous thinking that really pervades definitely the South and the kind of sex education that I got in school, and I just want to address some of the things in here. So this was from liveaction.org and it was called porn bdsm planned parenthood's dangerous sex education comes to florida oh god so it was written by casey fiano chesser but this author is very upset that planned parenthood that planned parenthood's sex education which is called the teen pregnancy prevention program and the personal responsibility and education program was coming to florida and they identified some of the issues So, in live actions, sex ed investigation, Planned Parenthood counselors advised young girls to engage in BDSM and other dangerous sex practices. They offered a seminar for teenagers on BDSM. But in our undercover videos, the advice got even worse. One Planned Parenthood counselor, one Planned Parenthood counselor encouraged not just role play during sex, but suggested letting the 15-year-old girl's boyfriend dress up like a baby and pretend to breastfeed. This was in addition to other disturbing suggestions ranging from foot fetishes to BDSM. Okay, I highly doubt they were being like, hey, you know what you should try? What is it called? What is the baby thing called? Uh, there's a lot. There's adult, <laughs> <laughs> there's ABDL, adult baby diaper lover. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, DDLG, daddy dom little girl. I don't know what this is but who gives a fuck yeah and i'm sure like if you're trying to talk to kids coming in and being super super serious never fucking works they don't give a shit they don't true yeah they could have been like you can do this it doesn't fucking matter do whatever you want yeah whatever you're saying yes to you're allowed to say yes to as long as your partner is also saying yes and they could have just been joking about like all of these fetishes that are out there like yeah some people are into this yeah i like how they think a foot fetish is disturbing but then like they really drive home the point that counselors are recommending bdsm and she says bdsm seemed to be one of the most popular suggestions brought up again and again in facilities across the country whipping choking asphyxiation and violent torture sex were recommended okay i don't think anyone is recommending violent torture sex no and if you've looked at any porn out there right now something that is super popular i mean i'm not personally into it but the whole like really violent oral or the whole like oral to the point of making a girl throw up that's really popular and so is choking yeah so i could see them talking about that because again young men are watching porn and they're maybe seeing those things and thinking well my partner's gonna be into that and they're gonna be like yeah you can be into that or you cannot be into that it's up to you Exactly. Because any, it's completely human nature 
to once you are in that environment want to be enjoying your partner and your partner should if they are a healthy well-rounded person want for you to be enjoying it too but in porn it's not always portrayed that way so yeah and Okay, I'm not reading this whole thing, but these little blurbs are important to me. So they go on to say, Teens were advised that sex that leaves welts, burns, and marks was not unacceptable, but part of a normal and healthy sex life and not abusive. And then they say, Planned Parenthood counselors also frequently advised young girls to watch porn to get ideas and also to enter sex shops, often illegal for minor children. The counselors gave our undercover investigators ideas of how to circumvent the law or make sure they could watch porn without their parents finding out. They're doing that anyway! And your fucking kid is not an extension of you or your morality. If your kid wants to watch porn, let them watch porn. And I, I don't know, this may be one of my more radical beliefs. I don't think you should have to have parental permission to have birth control or get contraceptives. That is your fucking choice. Yeah, it absolutely should be. But the very last thing they said that just like infuriated me was <clears throat> ultimately at Planned Parenthood, the idea seems to be clear. When it comes to sex, literally anything goes as long as both partners consent and contraception is used. This is perhaps even more disturbing considering a recent study which found a link between contraceptives and suicide. What the actual So fuck? I fucking trace, I had to click through a million shitty ass articles to find the study they were referencing this was a study conducted in denmark and they found that the use of hormonal birth control does have a correlation with depression and that teenagers who take hormone hormonal birth control are more likely to be diagnosed with depression later in life that's a fair correlation and i'm not going to dismiss that without doing more research but that doesn't correlate contraceptives with suicide. That correlates a very specific type of contraception with depression. Yeah. And yeah, here's the thing. As long as both partners consent, anything goes. Like, how are you going to have a problem with that? Yeah, that's a great lesson. Especially when, to motherfucking reiterate, they're watching porn. If a young girl sees, hey... Apparently, there are 30,000 videos of girls giving oral to dudes and then barfing. I guess that's what's cool now. <laughs> like, if you're not into that, you don't have to do that. That's the other lesson. If it's like, hey, if you like that and that's your thing, it's cool. Then the obvious takeaway is, oh, I don't have to like that. Right. Like, that's the next logical step. Oh, okay, then I can either be into it or not. Right, and... That is probably the context of what was happening during these undercover investigations. <laughs> they were probably like, okay, you're a young person who's becoming sexually active. There is a whole wealth of information on the internet about every possible thing you could ever be into. And they're exposed to it. Most kids have their own iPads. They have their own iPhones. And I'm sure if they're not circumventing your parental controls in their house, in your house, they're probably doing it at your fr at their friend's house. Yeah. But yeah, this type of ignorant thinking is why we have abstinence-only sex education and why men are starting college and they don't understand what the fuck consent is because their only exposure to sex has been in pornography. So I don't know. I guess maybe my biggest takeaway today is that BDSM should be less stigmatized. I don't think it should be this fringe, taboo, weird fetish that is scary to people when the entire community and concept is built around the idea of consent, affirmative consent. Yeah, I'm completely on board with that too. And recently we saw someone directly correlate. Oh yeah, that was kind of the catalyst for us finally doing this episode. So it's probably no surprise to anyone. I, I have a lot of friends active in BDSM communities. I myself participate to some degree and it's a huge social circle and a really supportive engaged community and someone i don't know what they were thinking but a friend with a lot of overlap in that community posted a picture of this flyer and it was a flyer it was like a black and white picture of a girl's mouth and then a qr code and it said utk bdsm it wasn't there was no nudity there was no like we're into spanking y'all it was just <laughs> A very subtle... <laughs> Please let that be the motto of Southern BDSM. We're into spanking, y'all. <laughs> but it was pretty subtle. And yeah, if you know what it means and you're interested, here's the QR code. If you're not, go on with your fucking day. But this person posted a picture of this flyer and said, 
to whoever put this up, shame on you. I tore this down. Where is the sense of public decency anymore? And everyone was like, dude, what the fuck? Why did you do that? That's not hurting anyone. It's not pornographic in nature. That was kind of a dick thing to do. And his defense was, well, UTK, which is the University of Tennessee at Knoxville, by the way, but UTK has a really big rape problem right now, and I just don't think it's right to put this in people's face right now. It's not a good time. That is equating BDSM with rape, which I can't stand. And yeah, someone brought up a really good point. They were like, well, yeah, UTK does have a rape issue, but it's been tied more to frat parties and nightclubs. So are we going to start tearing down flyers for ladies nights or for frat parties? Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense to me. I, I mean, I do fucking hate ladies nights. Yeah, that's... If anything propagates rape culture, it's ladies night. (laughs) right like hey come where the drunk chicks are yeah hey ladies you don't have to pay to drink so you can get good and liquored up for all the dudes who are inevitably there's there's like a three dicks to one vagina ratio yes at every market yeah like i'm not trying to be around that much thirst but that's just me Anyway, I just found it very frustrating. Like, even on the periphery of the very community itself, there is this misunderstanding of what BDSM is and what it entails. Yeah. And I guess the message, we kind of were all over the place today, which is how it goes around here. But I really want the take-home message to be that people who engage in BDSM, they're not fucked up. They don't have a lack of self-respect, which is its own rant. They're not mentally unstable. Good point. And they're not rapists. Do rapists exist in the BDSM community? Yes. Do rapists exist in the Catholic Church? Yes. And as someone who is involved in this community, if someone is outed as being someone who like doesn't honor limits and knowingly crosses limits, and um, there was recently a very public, I guess, outing of someone who was abusing inexperienced young girls, They are blacklisted. It's not accepted. You are done. So I don't know. I I just think it's a really misunderstood community. And I think that a better understanding of it would be good for everyone. I'm inclined to agree with that. And I really like that it empowers women in particular to explore their sexuality because that's so hindered. Yeah. And it's pretty ridiculous. Um, It's ridiculous to say that there's an understanding that your wedding night is just a special laundry time it's not you're fucking tired there's no nothing happens on that night let the record show i've heard that before <laughs> it's like i just spent all of my t- no this is no it's bedtime yeah i'm going to sleep i don't take this fucking dress anyway <laughs> if we're saying you're supposed to save it for your wedding night and that's the only lesson a girl gets and once she is contractually obligated is kind of the other message and the real truth is You're not, and neither is your husband. Sometimes he's going to say no. Sometimes he's going to be tired. Yeah. He's not always going to want it any more than you're always going to want it. And this message that you get is boys only want one thing really limits their emotional identity. It's not fair to men to say he's only out for one thing. Maybe he's not. Whenever Colin and I were first dating, a lot of our lead up was, well, what do you want out of life? What do you want to do? What are you interested in? Who are, who are you as a person? It wasn't like, hey, how big is your wiener? That was not like, and that's what you would think would be the first conversation you would have if you listened to these cultural implications. Well, he's just, and she's just, no, I wanted to know where, what countries do you want to travel to? Yeah. So, yeah, fucking, it's going to happen. <laughs> maybe Southern Hills, people want to fuck. <laughs> we should maybe we'll make the I guess it would be everybody poops except for it's for seniors and it's called everybody fucks <laughs> or not there's actually another I actually really think that we have a friend I'm not going to name him but asexuality is something that you never hear people talk about but yeah. it's a thing that exists some people genuinely have zero interest or drive like it's just not a part of their life And that ties back to consent, too, because if you are interested in or dating a person, even just assuming that they're definitely going to want sex at all. True. Maybe they don't. Hmm. Then there's the whole, like, debate about matching libidos and everything else. It's just this big spectrum, and we're just constantly taught the exact opposite. We're not taught it's a spectrum. We're taught it is this or it is this. Um, The only other thing that I researched, I briefly watched this Netflix show called Rita, and it was about, it's subtitled because it's Dutch. Hmm. But she was going over sex education. She's like an, um, I think she's a middle school, maybe a high school teacher. I want to say she's like a middle school teacher. 
I watched this years ago, of course. Anyway, it was called Are You Doing It? And that was like the pamphlet that she was passing out. So I was like, I wonder what sex ed is like in that culture. And I actually found an article, The Case for Starting Sex Education in Kindergarten. Who here has been in love? Asked Anique Pfeiffer to a crowd of Dutch elementary school students. So basically, a few hands shoot up like these four-year-olds are saying, hey, yeah, I've been in love before. And it's kind of adorable because I remember asking a boy out when I was in first grade. I was like, hey, do you want to be my boyfriend? Like I had this loose understanding of what, I, what it meant. He was like, um, no, I'm actually dating this fourth grader. <laughs> <laughs> and I, the sense of rejection, I don't think I, I, no, I didn't. I didn't ask anybody out until high school. I was just like, yeah, fuck that. That was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> At least you got it out of the way early. Yeah, right? <laughs> didn't go through too many middle school heartbreaks because I was like, yeah, rejection is the worst. <laughs> so it goes on to say that it's not just four-year-olds that they're teaching. Eight-year-olds learn about self-image and gender stereotypes. Eleven-year-olds discuss sexual orientation and contraceptive. In the Netherlands, the approach is known as comprehensive sex education. You'll never hear an explicit reference to sex in kindergarten. And what they're teaching is actually sexuality education, which I thought was pretty mm -hmm. interesting because, again, that is comprehensive Right now we have this attitude of, well, what happens when you get pregnant? That really doesn't do a lot for the gay kids in the class. Yeah, I'm telling you, all that I got was if, if y'all go out there and screw, your dick's going to fall off. <laughs> You're going to get pregnant. You're lost over. Here's a picture of syphilis from the 1600s. <laughs> <laughs> this will happen to you. <laughs> it can happen to you. I know someone who got syphilis in their eyeball from a waterfall. Oh. <laughs> that would be... The worst. I don't know what syphilis of the eyeball is like. I only know that that sounds like the worst fucking it thing I've ever heard about. awful. <laughs> syphilis of the eyeball is a good band name, though. <laughs> Maybe just eyeball syphilis. Yeah. So this article goes on. Beyond risk prevention. Oh, yeah. And this is actually PBS covering this. On average, teens in the Netherlands do not have sex at an earlier age than those in other European countries or in the U.S. Hmm. Researchers found that. Among 12 to 25 year olds in the Netherlands, most say they had quote unquote wanted and fun first sexual experiences. By comparison, 66% of sexually active American teens surveys said they wished they had waited longer to have sex for the first time. That's a total consequence of making sex this forbidden, mysterious thing. Yeah. It makes you want to do it to see what it is. Whereas if you're just like told in plain terms and realistic terms, this is what it is. It's totally normal. Yeah, it's how all of us are here. It's At that point, it's almost kind of boring. Yeah. Which is great because if you're removing the taboo, yeah, I'm into that. Especially if you do it like they do around here where kids are told it's naughty, it's bad. And that one of the consequences of that that absolutely breaks my heart is what if you are the girl that gets raped? Or what if you are the kid that got molested? Your whole life you're told... So much of your value and your self-worth should come from your virginity. Yeah. The the term fair maiden literally means fair as in white and maiden as in virginal. Like it's this thing that's put on a pedestal and if you lose it, that's a huge knock to a young girl's self-worth or self-confidence and it follows her until she eventually learns that everything is bullshit. Yeah. And that kind of ties to, man, we need to do another slut-shaming episode, but I really... I hear this casually all the time and it really gets under my skin when people talk about how like you need to respect yourself. Don't do that. And like tying self-respect to behaving modestly. Yeah. I fucking hate that. And it gives a really unhealthy message to boys and girls that like if a girl looks a certain way or acts a certain way, she doesn't respect herself. So she's a slut. So and then it just kind of snowballs from there. Yeah, if she respects herself, she respects that she has boundaries she can set yeah. and autonomy over her body. That is what respect would be. Assuming that someone else's desires or lack thereof is a reflection of her own self-respect is fucking stupid. Yeah, I've actually had conversations about BDSM with people who did not know my familiarity with BDSM. And they were specifically talking about, you know, someone getting whipped or flogged or what the fuck ever. And they were just like, I just have too much self-respect for that. And I was thinking, that's not how it works at all. But I'm not going to waste my breath explaining that to you. <laughs> you enjoy whatever it is that you enjoy. I, just, I saw something on Reddit. Um, it was about Plankton and the robot or the computer that he made. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that too. So 
in SpongeBob, Plankton ran the like really shitty restaurant that everybody hated the called Chum Bucket. Yeah. <laughs> and someone said Plankton built his girlfriend robot that was always making fun of him and insulting him. Plankton had a humiliation fetish. <laughs> It's super fitting, too, because that guy was such an egomaniac. Oh, I know. It's so perfect. So, yeah, that, that contrast there of kids saying, um, I wish that they had given the actual numbers because most say they had wanted and fun versus 66%. It's like you're being specific here and inspecific here. I want to know what that number is, but mm. whatever. Oh, yeah. According to the World Bank, teen pregnancy rate in the Netherlands is one of the lowest in the world five times lower than the U.S., rates of HIV infection and STDs are also low. And that makes sense because in one of our episodes, we actually found out that, was it about abstinence-only education? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We found out that teenagers who hear, hey, condoms don't work, their takeaway is that condoms don't work. So don't use them. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? It doesn't help anything anyway. Yeah, and something that I learned about impoverished kids in particular, there's an idea that condoms are what you use condoms are what you use early in your relationship as like an I don't trust you yet. And then once you trust your partner, you stop wearing a condom, but they're not using any other birth control method. Oh. So then they get pregnant because um sperm makes babies? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, that that I had the same ignorance. I'm going to use condoms until I trust you. But as an adult, I use condoms until I see paperwork, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that's completely appropriate. <laughs> In this day and age, especially when Kelly cannot stress this enough, <laughs> there are antibiotic resistant strains of gonorrhea. It's true. Oh my god, I learned about the worst STD ever. Okay, aside from AIDS, AIDS is obviously can be fatal, although now the rates um, have really, really dropped. But, Kelly, do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like I do, but I can't remember. Flesh motherfucking eating bacteria STD. Yes. <gasps> I just read that it was recently contracted in the UK for the first time. Yes. <gasps> so, wrap them up, folks. Yeah, unless you literally want your junk to fall off. We're past, like, 16th century syphilis and on to flesh-eating bacteria. <laughs> this article goes on to talk about how varied sex education is in the United States and how big a problem that is. Because, again, you're creating a pool of active adults at a certain point, and you're having them all be on different levels of development. And that is, uh, stupid is the word you're going to want to use. <laughs> because if Kid A thinks that, well, yeah, of course I have to talk my girlfriend into having sex, that's just how things work... And then Kid B thinks, hey, sometimes my girlfriend wants to have sex and sometimes she doesn't. And it's not a debatable topic. These are two very different things. Yes. And right now we're creating more of one type of person than the other. The takeaway of this article about Dutch sex education is that they don't have that problem as much because everybody's being shipped out on an equal playing field. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I actually know in particular a friend who said that he messaged me to be like this motherfucker dot dot dot. He had a friend who started homeschooling. He was like, hey, yeah, well, oh, my kids are homeschooled. And he was like, oh, that's why did you decide to go homeschool? And he said, yeah, I don't like the idea that they're teaching kids that they have to have sex now and that they shouldn't wait. Oh, my God. Home no one's telling them they have to have sex now, you dumb motherfucker. Exactly. And if you raise, again, your child to understand a level of consent and yes means yes, they're going to know that when they're ready, they're ready. Yeah. And I think that everyone comes to that point. Like, you, you finally have that relationship with a person where you're like, this is the person for me that I want to lose my virginity to. I think that everyone, or I'm sure it's different for some boys. Like, maybe they, they meet the girl who's like, she's the one that's actually going to do it. <laughs> like, I, I know from my male friends that that's, like, another. But they had to be interested in her for other reasons. Like, no one is, mm, yeah, fair. Yeah. that I would say it is less common that people are like, I find this person absolutely detestable, but fuckable. But actually, dude, that happens. Yeah, it does. I mean, is maybe that its own fetish? Probably. I mean, enough dudes date the most bitchy chicks on the planet. And enough chicks date the most asshole. Like, there has to be... Everybody's into something. That's, yeah. I can't say that there's a correlation between she's gonna give it up and 
personality that's not like no i don't think there is so anyway yeah uh so bdsm in our public schools yay or nay (laughs) (laughs) drop us a line sevenhills at gmail.com yeah and let us know about what you think about the possibility of starting sex education earlier and more comprehensively because right now we are leaving out the homosexual kids and that's pretty fucked up they have their own concerns so, yeah, sexuality education, that's the future. What do you think about it? Uh, like Kelly said, Southern Hills at gmail.com. <laughs> Hit us up. Uh, well, thanks for listening. See you next Thursday.